something radiating out like you see through Polyester Nella shirt, they wanna wear you Put you in the jewelry box like an heirloom Don't hate on them when you see them jockeying your nice style Cause they don't know the words you learn in your profile They ain't attracted to your tech system have the opportunity to reflect, connect, and transcend internal and external barriers. We are your hosts, Bathsheba, or you can just call me Sheba, and Joanne, or you can also call me Miss J. All right, Miss J. Um, we have a fantastic person on the line with us today. Um, our topic is, again, we're still talking about body image and self-image and the issues that come along with being in a society that focuses on outward appearance. So I'm really excited about who we have on the line. He's 25. His name is James Zito. Um, and I've listened to some of his um, content and it is dope. Um, so James, tell, say something to the people. Hi. <laughs> tell us, a, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I have schizophrenia. Uh, I'm white. I live in a residential program. I uh, like to learn. I like long discussions with people about serious topics. Yeah. So um, it's interesting that you um, talked immediately about your mental health status. Tell us more about why you started there. Uh whether it's uh, my technical diagnosis of schizophrenia or my more real uh, symptoms that I grapple with every day, uh, the way I think really affects my life. So wow. unlike other, uh, other labels or whatever you want to call it, um, it's something that's uh, very real in who I am. So, yeah. And how does that impact your um, interactions with other people or how people perceive you? Well, it opened a lot of doors for me to uh, meet people who uh, think differently or are labeled as thinking differently and uh, get their perspectives on life. Uh, most of the time, if I tell someone I have schizophrenia, they tell me they didn't realize that there was anything different about me. Uh, unless they've known me for a while, and then it's not schizophrenia, but my quirkiness that they notice. Hmm. And so you have, what, on your journey... How long did it take for you to just like embrace the fact that that's something that you struggle with or that it is just a part of you? Uh, it took a while. Uh, you know, I, I had a breakdown um, 
around my uh, 21 or so. And uh, when that happened, you know, it was kind of startlingly clear that uh, my mind didn't uh, function as nicely as I would like. And um, what what happened as a res- as a result of that breakdown? And the reason I'm asking that question is because I know mental health is something that a lot of people don't like talking about it. About um, there's a stigma associated with talking about mental health as if um, our minds or our brains are not attached to our bodies. If we have to go to the doctor for some other physical ailment, we don't have a problem doing that. But when we have issues with um, what's going on with us mentally, we're hesitant to do that. So I just want to talk, I just want you to talk to um, the listeners about one, like your awareness, right? And what it took for you to get to a place where you were no longer just like avoiding the issue or even if you avoided it at all. Well, in the beginning, I was mainly just trying to improve my thought patterns and all the obstacles that I encountered in the way of symptoms of mental illness just seemed like normal mental constraints that a person might have until they got to the point where they crippled my uh, reasoning processes temporarily. Um, From there, you know, it was, it was a long struggle to uh, grapple with the idea of medicine maybe affecting the way I'm thinking or whether it's possible to even be sure that you can permanently affect the way you think just by thinking about the world differently and whether that will avoid future changes in your neurology or, you know, whether you're unsafe simply because you had a breakdown in the past. Mm. You know, mental mental health is kind of like a gray zone where uh, a lot of people with mental health issues like to treat it simply like it's a physical issue, like it's an ailment just like anything else, and it's no different. And on the other end, people without it like to treat it like it's just crazy people. Mm. So, you know, it's it, the reality is kind of in between where I do have, you know, sometimes a hard time thinking clearly. And, uh, but, you know, it's certainly within uh, my normal uh, range of activities. It's just a little harder than maybe for an average person. And you, and, and it's amazing how you're communicating it and putting it into words, just, just how you, you grapple with that. Um, how, and, and I've read your writing, you, you sent it text, um, in text and also audio version and it's just utter brilliance and so is writing part of your processing um i know you talked about how you get in spaces where it's difficult for you to think is that part of how you kind of climb out of those spaces usually when i uh, want to get out of that space i have to take some deep breaths and meditate or take some time to reflect you know maybe even pray um I'm more experienced with the meditation and reflection. I often think better when I do some simple activity like taking a walk. Um, as far as the writing goes, it's, it's just a way to express myself and to form uh, cohesive ideas. And it's also, you know, an art form that's wonderful in and of itself. Yeah. So, James, how much time do you spend mastering your, your, your craft? Uh, 
you know, I, I, I don't have a regular routine with regard to it. I kind of just do it whenever the mood strikes me because if I'm not in the mood, it's not going to flow at all. So. So you have to feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I'm sort of that way at times, too. Um, I get, you know, this, this feeling and I just have to write. So I always have a journal or, um, a journal on me, or I'll use my notepad on my phone. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, I carve out time. I'm just going to write. So I completely understand that. Same here. It's funny because, uh, I, my strength is content, but my weakness is delivery. So, uh, Throughout, throughout my life, I've often been uh, shy about rapping in, uh, in social situations, in public, in private even. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sometimes rap in my head and it ends up sounding much better that way, but I end up forgetting it very quickly. So James, in five words or less, tell us what motivates you. Goodness, pleasure, pain, joy, and sorrow. Goodness, pleasure, pain, joy, and sorrow. Mm-hmm. We uh, out of the first, you guys as the first two people on this radio show have really um, opened our eyes to the way young people perceive the world, and the fact that you said that you're motivated by pain speaks volumes. Tell us more about that. Why do you say, why are you saying that pain motivates you? Well, I'm just being honest when I say I'm a coward. So a lot of times pain will motivate me to uh, not do things or to do things, which really I should be doing the opposite. So, yeah, not it's not like a very uh, amazing tapping into a deep struggle to bring something good out of it. Mm. It's just... Uh, So um, if, you, if you could define cage-free or first, if you could define cage-free, what would be the definition for you and how are you cage-free? To me, cage-free means that in your mind, your character is where you need it to be. So, oh my gosh, Jen, yes. you are amazing. You just nailed it. I, yes. love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm cage-free in the sense that even though I'm not totally free and the person that I should be, I'm able to be honest about it and uh, communicate it and work on it. What would you say to other young people? How can they be cage-free? I would say uh, commit to what's right. That's good. That's really good. So considering that you are, um, you don't like labels. We had an offline um, conversation where you were telling us why you don't like labels. And I kind of want to, um, and this is terrible because I'm all about being cage free and I'm over here wanting to give you some kind of label in regards to what it is that you you provide the gift things that you have. So I want to say, you know, James Zito is this incredible writer. Um, talk, tell us, you know, why 
you don't want to go by a label. And this definitely speaks to the fact that you are certainly cage free. Uh, I think that, uh, and, and part of this is from a partially Quaker background and, uh, you know, not a multiracial, but multi-ethnic background, um, that, you know, in the, in the normal sense of racial as in skin color, even though that's not real, really yeah. what it, um, I, uh, I feel like, uh, all, all art is interesting. All art communicates something meaningful. So, uh, to label yourself according to one type of art or to label yourself according to one type of person or job title, uh, you know, you, you kind of limit yourself in that. And, uh, it can also be used as a superiority thing, which, you know, is, is obviously bad. You are so deep, Jay. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because it speaks volumes to what you just said earlier, that character makes you cage free, you know, cause yeah. titles change any given day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's your career, your relationship status, that could change overnight but your character that speaks volume for a lifetime and if you if you are hung up only on your titles and you lose your titles then you lose you. the ability to understand who you are exactly because you you've defined who you are and you don't know your worth yeah yeah that's that's real good that's really good um so James, without a title, <laughs> I right. love it. Cage-free James Zito, uh, go ahead and bless us with some of your content, um, what you provided us earlier. All right. Yo, Jay, I need three minutes of content. Yo, Z, count on me, I'm on it. One, two, three, four, topics come to mind. Tropics I find coalescing combined more often than they divide. Oh, you already knew? I'm hip, we're about to hop on a body image, racism, bullying, and depression. So we go flow from the physical to the mental, soulful to the spiritual. I'm stressing the progression first of fully bringing in intrinsic worth, then the expression thereof. So the actuality is above the image. Is there a schism? Always and forever, for the image can never make explicitly understood the worth implicitly and inherently contained in the actuality. Sounds a cold reality. A bold claim, but let me bring to mind that the same is often true of the image and its perception. Only so much value is let in of the portion of worth shown in the image. This, of course, means that the visage is a double refraction. And to rectify this, a double retraction? In the mind's eye, not the eye's mind, lest we stumble upon blindness, we search out perspicacity with tenacity, endeavor to weather through the valleys and ravines of perceivers in hopes of a way, ways to receive or invite real observation into our sight. Such images echo the carvings etched in the stone canyons called Jairai in your brain. The fissures relay the streams of consciousness that run within. But how do we strike a chord with the untrained ear? It appears that your words ring true. We've come full circle to the original issue. If I may chime in again, when sounds rebound on eardrums or when light strikes the pupil, the stimulus is stylized by the stylus behind the eyes and between the ears. The probable punishment and solution are all one, a mixture of the beauty and the mind of the beholder and its blindness. Every person unseen is a punitive loss to the perception of the problem onlooker. Unable to unhook or detach the worthlessness of the image from its actuality, they miss the value of appreciating others in its totality. To open their eyes, close down their fears, open their mind, train their ears. We must remove the fool's goal of superiority and its apparent worth. It is better to give than receive, but there is a need for both. If we want to better ourselves and do, we should not boast. For a loss to someone else is a loss worth, even if it doesn't cost us at first or worse. 
So we pursue perfection collectively, counting a loss to one as a loss to all. Try to answer the highest call we hear. Avoid letting wisdom fall on deaf ears. As the answers to our questions near, behold, another stumbling block. The bold, uncaring, apathetic populations know their true relationships to others, yet have discovered a false joy in the employ of power over those seen as less. Essentially, it's a test of one's attentiveness to their own thoughts. When one is caught in the riptide, the waves of pleasure or sorrow pull us out to a sea of sin, wherein the currents only strengthen what's next and what's best. Balance proactivity with going with the flow. Swim sideways past the undertow. Build a proclivity for solid ground by surmounting achievable obstacles, counting it a victory not to fail when overwhelmed. Stick to the basics and go forward from there. For toward our cares, we've tailored our images not only to our failures and errors, but goodness and righteousness. Should this not be enough to write this for us? Personally, often, difficulties always arise. Hence the need for eyes seeing worth and ears listening well. A mind that dwells in green pastures sees disasters also as opportunities. Soon all these elements combine and refine in these verses we leave, hopefully a musical tapestry that reflects the true aspects of us and our views. Which brings us back to two, so one last thing. Three minutes don't stay in it like they used to in one's work. Wow. Hope you can hit a snap, James. That is And what nice. struck a chord was you said, how do you strike a chord in the untrained ear? I think the, uh, you know, ironically, the first thing you can do is listen. And if you listen well and show that you're listening, people are more likely to hear what you have to say. That was phenomenal. Hey, hey, yes. The words were carefully written. Yeah. Strategically written. So, so, James, how do you contribute your talent to give back to the community? You know, I haven't very much so far. Uh, I've exchanged with people on a personal level, uh, not really too much on a community level. In terms of uh, my physical body, I volunteer a lot with lifestyles, uh, with uh, my church, do various community events. But, uh, you know, that's... Uh, low on the spectrum of the possible things I could do to help people. And how can people reach you, James, if they want to hear more of your content? Do you have a website, uh, Instagram I, page? Let me uh, check and make sure it's what I think it is. It is Thrice Artists. T-H-R-I-C-E-A-R-T-I-S-T-S. -S. Yes. That's your Instagram? That right. is my SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Guys, um, check out Thrice Artists on SoundCloud, and you will be able to hear some of James Zito's content. Thank you so much, James. We really appreciate your time. You are phenomenal at everything that you do and for being who you are. Um, we really appreciate your transparency, and we are um, really excited to continue talking with you and finding out more about what it is that, or more about who you are and how you're cage-free. So we'd like to thank Impact Hub for sponsoring the show. Um, we so graciously appreciate our engineer, Mr. Matthew Ashton. And our break music was provided by your girl, Bathsheba Smithin. The theme song was... Downloaded. Downloaded. Yeah. 
And again, we want to thank Impact Hub DC for um, sponsoring this show. Thank you for joining us for this amazing episode of talking about body image and self-image with James Zito. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends to subscribe to the show on iTunes and feel free to get in touch with us at cagefreevoices.com. Again, cagefreevoices.com. Remember to see yourself even if the world is blind. Reflect, connect, and transcend every barrier that will try to cage your voice. Be free.